it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, 
explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm Sri, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys, and because we have cricket fans in the house, this episode will be filled with cricket analogies. Sorry, Mr. Bond. I'm also known as the Dusra Ball Loving, a.k.a. the New York Yankees fan. And my areas that I love to discuss are branding, D2C, omni-channel, retail P&Ls, connected commerce, retail media, and marketplaces. And week over week, episode episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Peter Bond, an expert at digital shelf content, retail success, customer data, insights, CRM, and loyalty. And I'm going to call him for the purpose of today, the bouncer-loving, ever-optimist LA Dodgers guy. Please join me in welcoming the man himself with the radio face and voice, also known as 007, Mr. Bond. How are you Shri, today? did you know that lacrosse is actually the national sport of Canada? A little tidbit of trivia for you. I was going to go with it curling. It should be. It should be. Um, you know that, that children are born with skates genetically grafted to their feet north of the border, but that's another story. Hockey makes sense, but I know, isn't Peter? it strange? It is actually the official national sport of Canada. Go figure. But in any event, always love doing this with you, Shri. And I'm excited about this second part of a partnership that we've created with Label Insight because the topic at hand, the content and product attributes and the ability to improve searchability, particularly on the digital shelf, is is just so critically important right now in this space. So I'm really ready to get going on this. You bet, Peter. And born today, coming soon in another episode of the CPG, guys. What's America's national sport, baseball or football? And more to come on that one. Our guests for the second part of this series are Dagan Xavier, the co-founder and chief product officer of Label Insight, and Roy Woodhouse, North America commercial lead at Nielsen Brand Bank. Both are industry veterans with exceptional experience helping CPG brands and retailers leverage unique data sets to drive growth. Before we welcome both to the show, I want to remind all our audience that all of our content can be found on cpgguys.com. That includes the work we did on the Women's Leadership Series last fall, where Peter and I were able to donate $8,000 to the Susan G. Komen Fund, or what you asked us for, which is give us the insight on whether e-commerce is profitable. So we did a series on e-commerce profitability, including what a pro forma P&L should look like and what it should be compared to. Most importantly, folks, you shape the outcomes on this show, who we bring to the show, the topics we discuss, and what sort of capabilities we need to continue to hone down on. So, folks, folks, you can do that easily by going to ratethispodcast.com slash cpgguys and simply leaving us both a rating and a review. We love reviews, but we love those ratings. And if you're watching the video, Peter has a number for you. I think it looks like a five and the stars next to it. And there's another easy way to also tell us what you like on the show, and that is simply go to LinkedIn.com, search bar, type CPG guys, hit the little plus button that's next to it that says follow. Join this growing family with the CPG guys that is now responsible right in the middle of being in the transformation of this industry and make sure to voice your needs as well as how you want the show to shape go forward. And now, all that said, join us in welcoming. Dagan and Roy. Gentlemen, how are you today? 
We're good. We're good. Thank you so much for for having us on, guys. Um, I have to say, it's 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 kind of nice not being the only one with an accent today. So it's nice to have Roy here too. <laughs> yeah, great to meet you guys, and and thank you for the cricket references. It's nice of you to adapt for us. <laughs> um, I will confess to never getting out of single figures with the bat, so uh, I'm I'm no expert, but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> I was the mid-wicket fielder, Roy, mm. so I feel your pain. Yeah. But, but Roy, we want to we want to demystify a sticky wicket today, and that is, <laughs> you're here from Nielsen's Nielsen IQ's brand bank unit joining Label Insight on our podcast for a reason. I believe there was a recent announcement that led you to joining us today. Can you tell us about the big news? Yeah, sure. So it's it's been an exciting couple of weeks over here at Nielsen IQ. Um, so I believe uh, last Monday um, we we announced the acquisition of Label Insight. Dagan will certainly attest it's been something of a whirlwind ever since. But but we're really excited about this. We believe it. Our allied capabilities are, are going to leave us in a really really strong position to tap into the health and wellness market in a, in a previously unthought of way. Um, it's a $175 billion industry. And I think our rich combined data set, our peerless global measurement abilities and our panel insights are going to really help CPG retailers, manufacturers tap into that industry with the ultimate goal of, of helping shoppers discover the products they need. So really, really exciting. And, you know, Label Insight have, have made North America their home. And, and we're also really hoping that with Nielsen IQ's reach, that that means that there's expansion into new territories, new verticals and, and, and just new opportunity all around. That feels like a solid extra cover drive to the actually the cover boundary. <laughs> by now, I look at Peter's faces like this episode is slowly getting hijacked. Are we talking? Is that like CPG a double three? Is omni-channel transformation, or are we? Is this a cricket show? <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna bail Peter out here, and I'm gonna say thank you for that introduction, Roy. Sure. Of course, Peter and I stay intrigued and very interested in the value of this combination to CPG brands and retailers, especially as it relates to new approaches to product data. So let's jump right into the questions and get going over here. And I'll start with Dagan. We had the opportunity to speak with Todd Morris, the CEO of Label Insight recently about the actual business model you all have. As co-founder of the company, can you do us a favor and give us more detail on your journey to how Label Insight was formed and why you feel this is white space that you jumped into making it unique? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, so, you know, as, as Todd mentioned uh, on the previous episode, right, this this whole concept company started from, from a family need, right? And that need was to answer questions about the products that we were consuming. So when my dad had a, a health condition and, and had to kind of drastically change his diet, this was all about literally just trying to help him out, right? So I need to collect the information on packages and understand what everything meant so that I could put the right product in front of my dad uh, for his health condition, right? And I think like in doing that, right, it quickly turned into a business idea because I kind of realized that we weren't the minority here, right? In fact, we were the majority in that the majority of people care about what they're putting into their bodies. Right. The majority of people have conditions, restrictions, things that they want and desire. Right. Around the products that they 
that they consume. So this was much more about like, how do we help millions of consumers as opposed to just helping my dad? And so rather naively, you know, we jumped into this thinking like, you know, how hard could it be? 17 years later, and, and I can, you know, attest it's, it's bloody hard. The, the goal was to, to create technology that was able to answer any and all questions that consumers had on the products that they consume, right? So, you know, when, when you start there, right, in terms of start with your goal and then work backwards, what we needed to be true for that to be the case was data completeness, right? So think about it, it, it can't just be about the nutrients or just the ingredients or just the marketing claims. It had to be everything on that package. But then secondarily, once you've got everything, what do you do with it? And that's when the depth comes into play, right? So what does it mean when it says 100 calories? What does it mean to me when it says 140 milligrams of sodium? What does it mean if it says like partially hydrogenated vegetable oils, right? So we had to apply meaning to that data. And then lastly, it was all about flexibility. Like, how do you create a flexible data architecture that can answer anybody's question, regardless of their kind of dietary preference or not? And I think that kind of hits on like our philosophy as a company, right? And it's, it's kind of always been different to others' philosophies. And I think in others' minds, you know, we've always just been far too granular. And, you know, I've been kicked out of several kind of boardrooms going through this process with the idea of like, Dagan, who cares about ingredients, right? Dagan, who cares about 24,000 attributes? The truth is we care, consumers care, right? And I think in order to get to what consumers care about now and in the future, right? You need to invest in the breadth. You have to invest in the depth and you must invest in the flexibility of your product data. I think ultimately all of that is, is kind of like what makes Label Insight unique. Hey, Peter, I want to just append to Dagan's answer right here for a second. Like if anybody in 2021 after COVID is still talking to anybody about the importance of product ingredients and why that data is needed, well, guess how search is done by the consumer today. And search is your display vehicle on digital, your end cap, your department 82, call it what you may on digital. And it's those keywords that are your CPC items for SEO as well as SEM. So better get on with the program, folks. 100%. Dagan Roy, welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here. Just for the record, I was asked to leave a grocery store once because I was harassing the staff. They wouldn't answer my question as to whether spring water was gluten-free, and, and I'm still not getting the answer that I wanted. But <laughs> let's put that aside. All right. Uh, I, you know that I came from both a data insights and a product attributes background, so I'm, I'm relatively dangerous. I'll try and keep my gun in the holster and just lob something out that I, I know a lot of people really want to understand. Can you help break down, uh, Dagan, the product attribute data in more detail and how our audience should be thinking about it in terms of value to their business and, as Shri kind of alluded to most notably, improving searchability of products on the digital shelf? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I think it's important to think of, of product data as it's not just one dimensional, right? It can't just be about what the label says, right? It's got to be about what the label says and means to each audience, right? That's the critical part. And so for me, there's, there's just so much like data opportunity for any given product. And I think especially considering like how our industry has transformed over the past year, right? And the boom of, of kind of e-commerce, et cetera. But like, I'd be encouraging all CPGs to be thinking about how their data providers open or unlock that opportunity for them, right? For, for example, I think it's 87% of products fail to claim one of the three most search attributes in their category. 87%. And I feel like that stat tells me we, we're not, we're not listening, right? So it's, it's just really important to be thinking about ways that your product is received by various different audiences. And, and that is possible. That is possible to do with product metadata. So I think in evaluating, in evaluating your data partner or your data provider, uh, I'd break it down into what we call the five C's, right? So data coverage, right? How well does the data reflect the market, right? Data currency, you know, what is the rate of data decay and kind of how dynamic is the data considering how much data is changing in our industry? Data customization, so how well can the data be tailored to your specific business need? Think differentiation, etc. right? Data characteristics, so how granular is that data? And, and how does your data provider kind of structure the unstructured, right? How do they define it and organize it. And then lastly, confidence, right? Like what's your level of trust in that data? I feel like these are some of the things that, well, they're, they're critical things that we in the industry, right, need to be thinking about as, as key elements to succeeding. Because I think if we are doing this well, not only do we win, right, but most importantly, I feel like the consumer wins. And I think that's key. So I'm going to give you a full task now, Roy. You choose how you want to dispose of the dispatch, dispose of that full task. And and I've been chomping at the bit to understand how Nielsen Brand Bank and uh, Label Insight, how does this equation come together? But I'd also love for you, Roy, to share with the audience the business of Nielsen Brand Bank first and then why Label Insight, this is a great marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So Nielsen Brand Bank have uh, been the digital and e-commerce content arm of Nielsen IQ since they acquired us in 2014. I've actually been around since 1998, back when maybe three people shopped online in the UK. Um, so so we've been along for that whole journey. And, and our stock in trade is essentially providing that foundational product content that enables a brand to activate their product online. So um, I think where we really tie in closely with, with what Dagan's talking about is, is confidence. Um, if, if you want to be able to transform this data, um, you wanna be able to unlock the potential of the Label Insight solution and, and really deliver that discoverability to a shopper, before that's done, you need that foundational information to be accurate, you need it to be granular, you need it to be structured, and you need it to be deliverable. 
because if there's no confidence in what underpins what Label Insight are doing, then, you know, it makes that whole piece very difficult. So we work with thousands of retailers and manufacturers globally. Um, so we're headquartered in the UK, hence my accent. Um, and we, we operate across swathes of Europe and, and North America. Um, and, and ultimately, our content is being used across multiple business cases, um, primarily e-commerce. And I think that's where the tie-in with with Label Insight is going to be really exciting. Of course, we're still, you know, pretty pretty uh, pretty short time period post acquisition, so we're still working <laughs> everything out. But you know, I I think when you look at our combined solution set, it's really exciting. So we're able to provide really rich content. So that might be great imagery, it might be rich media, it might be romance copy, it might be mobile optimized content. And and we're able to deliver that flexibly in a number of different ways to ensure that it reaches the right place at the right time. And I think that combined with the attribute set which Label Insight bring to help unlock the true potential of what is on that product packaging um, I think the ultimate benefit is that shoppers are going to be able to discover products more easily. Um, and when they discover those products, they're going to have the right content to help them make an informed purchasing decision. I think ultimately you discover a product and find a blurry image taken with an iPhone and no data, you're probably still not going to buy it. Um, but if you've got all that great content there um, and, and we're able to create the look and feel of, of what that product is trying to do, then I think there's a really powerful combined solution set that's going to really, really help manufacturers and retailers maximize that channel. I wonder when I send Shri a text in the morning saying, hey, knucklehead, don't forget to upload that file. That's considered romance copy. I, I'm thinking maybe not, but let's put that as a, it can be whatever resonates. As long as it gets so it done, that that's work, what matters. That it's about yeah. it's about getting the action. But in any event. Uh, <laughs> Gentlemen, his statement was like the 12th man who never made it to the team. Ouch. All right. So, Dagan, back to you. Uh, we kind of heard Roy's take on this. I would love to hear your position on how this combination of the assets of Nielsen and the attributes and capabilities of Label Insight are really going to ultimately, because this is what matters, right? Is How's it going to benefit the brands? And then ultimately, how's it going to benefit the consumers? But would love to hear your POV on this. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think, you know, when we talk with brands, you know, the problems that we hear uh, consistently are that it's, it's hard to keep up with innovation in the health and wellness space, right? It's hard to see around the corners, right? It's hard to keep content accurate to keep content, you know, current, etc. right? Especially considering all the kind of like manual intervention um, that occurs, right? And the disparate systems that we've still got in our industry, right? In terms of product data. So I feel like with Nielsen IQ, Label Insight, Nielsen Brand Bank, the three of us coming together, right? We're really, we're really bringing kind of like an end-to-end -end solution to the market. And so something like, like product innovation, Right. When you think about the product innovation lifecycle and you think about the three entities there, you know, you've got signal detection, right? You know, in terms of understanding what consumers are searching for on retail and then applying that to, to products, right? Then there's signal validation with Nielsen's 
measurement business being best in class, positioning in claims. So understanding or being able to view your marketplace or and the competitive landscape and understand how those those winners or the innovative kind of winners, right? How are they positioning themselves? What what colors are they using? What words are they using? What images are they using, right? All the way down to the formulation level, right? Compare and contrast product formulations in that, you know, again, look at the winners. What are, how are they formulating their products? But then also, why don't you dabble with your formulation and see how you can impact how you appear at the digital shelf. And then once that's all done, you can set up your product and syndicate, right? Leveraging brand banks, pipes, and distribution distribution network, etc. And then finally, kind of media and advertising. So I, I kind of feel like Label Insight in the past kind of 17 years that we've been doing this was the proof of concept almost, right? But now with, with Nielsen IQ and, and Brand Bank, it, it kind of feels like the real deal, right? So the distribution and scale that I think we're going to realize, right, with this new venture, I think is going to really help offer a, a truly kind of global solution uh, to the market and, and set, set the standard for product data. And, and by standard, I don't mean like define the standards, right? It's not about setting the standards for me. I'm measuring being the standard by, by kind of the impact and adoption of your data, right? And so I think ultimately, ultimately, I think this is a win-win-win scenario, right? Like it's a win for us, it's a win for the industry, and, and a win for the consumer. Roy, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I think this really represents an exciting shift uh, within the Nielsen IQ business to an omni omni channel approach so you know nielsen iq have long been great at helping new innovation and activation into store through their measurement solutions their panelist information the insight that they bring um, i think that as we've seen retailers and, and manufacturers you know merge business functions to bring those tracks together so people need to stop thinking about brick and mortar and digital are separate things and activation needs to come together at the same time. I think unlocking the, the brand bank and label insight solution set is going to really help make sure that these guys are, are getting that right content available much earlier in their product life cycle. So when you're talking to Nielsen IQ and you're using their great data to underpin your new innovation, you also need to start thinking about, okay, how do I activate this through digital channels, not just, not just in store? I mean, it's unthinkable to, to hit a store launch and not have your product available to go, but so many brands hit a digital launch and have an image if you're lucky. So, you know, I think this really gives mutual clients an opportunity to to get much more organized, much more structured and much more strategic about how they do that. And I think that's the most exciting thing that's going to come out of this this partnership. So we talked about the partnership between Nielsen Brand Bank and Label Insight. We've also talked consumers. We've talked brands, of course, and the importance for both of them. What we haven't talked about is retail. So let's get into that, Roy. If I wore that retail hat for one second, first of all, is it any different 
do they focus on other areas that are meaningful to them versus brands? What should brands be looking out for from there? Yeah, yeah. And I think first I'd like to speak about kind of some of the unique challenges and opportunities that retailers have in the digital space. And, and then we can kind of tap into how, how we kind of tie into that. So, you know, I don't need to tell any of you guys that more people are shopping online than they were this time last year or, or 15 months ago. How long has this been going on for? No one can remember, right? <laughs> Quite a long time. Peter um, and I learned something today, Roy, that more people are actually shopping online than before. Thank you. Didn't <laughs> well, I'm glad I could give you that insight. Yeah. Um, so what we're not seeing is is people particularly enjoying the digital shopping experience as much as in store. You know, people are telling us, oh, I have a favorite grocery store that I like to go and shop because of, you know, whatever reason. That doesn't really translate to digital. And I think retailers are still working out how do I replicate the in-store experience online as closely as possible, in particular when it comes to product discoverability. And I think that's where, you know, Label Insight uh, uh, provide a really exciting solution to speak to that. Um, I think... Product discoverability is is one of the key challenges in the digital space. Um, you know, Dagan's already spoken to the challenges with search, um, but categorization is another problem. We recently got some feedback from a vegan shopper, one of our partner retailers, that all of the meat-free products were in the, the produce section, which, you know, technically produce is meat-free, but it doesn't feel like it's the, the easiest way to find those products. Um, so I think retailers really do recognize that there's a need to improve in that space. Um, and, and I think in particular, better product discoverability leads to bigger basket size. People are you know, enticed, they're excited, they see a product they want to try out. I know I've been in store and seen something that I think has cool packaging or, or you know, looks, looks exciting and I'll throw it in my basket. That doesn't really happen online and, and they need to find a way to address that. Um, there are also unique opportunities online. So a good uh, and current example with Memorial Day around the corner is, is cross-category promotions. Um, so in a store, it's very difficult sometimes to put your hot dogs, your buns, your ketchup, or, or in Chicago, maybe your mustard, and then and then your ice for your cooler, all, all in the same place to, to make sure that your shopper doesn't miss anything. Online, that's much more straightforward if you get it right. Um, so I think there are unique challenges and unique opportunities. Um, and I think the ability to personalize and to optimize that shopping experience through the right data set and enriching content is the way that retailers are going to be able to help their shoppers discover new products, um, help conversion of those products as when they are discovered, you're going to see the right content grow that basket size and ultimately retain loyalty because any positive experience you have as a shopper or otherwise, you know, um, you're going to want to go and do that again. Um, and I think I certainly have stores that I prefer shopping in for that reason. And I think if retailers can transform their digital store in the same way, they will increase loyalty, retention and, you know, ultimately revenue. So I think that's the really exciting opportunity here. And, and I think that's the unique uh, proposition that we're going to be able to bring to retailers. Hey, Shri, if, if we stop by Roy's house on Monday, do you think he'll be serving hot dogs on the bank holiday? 
No. See, I, I can I can play this game. I can do that. All right, Dagan. I, I am in Chicago, so so no no catch up. Right oh, you, oh my. Okay, so Dagan, um, let's bring this full circle and talk about how this will benefit the consumer. Because at the end of the day, that's where the rubber meets the road, and brands are going to accelerate their business if it can benefit the consumer experience. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. I, I think the philosophy here is is not to d- dictate to the consumer what matters. Me personally, I just don't feel like that works, right? So instead, we've got to be listening more to the consumer, right? Understanding their behavior, their demands, and and respond accordingly. And so this comes back to the founding use case, right, of, of Label Insight. If we're simply relying on what is stated on that label, right, and the traditional methodologies of search and discovery, then the world for consumers is only so big. Right? There are approximately 3,000 products in the US that market themselves as heart healthy, either through a claim or a certification, right? 3,000. But in reality, there are 25,000 products in the US that qualify to be heart healthy, right? So again, small world, we need to make it bigger, right? We need to help products and brands realize their potential in market. Right? And I think that's that data opportunity that I was kind of talking about before, right? So I think by pairing consumer insights with like an unprecedented level of product metadata, that's the best way to realize this opportunity. And like the saying goes, get the right products in front of the right people at the right time. Right on Regent Street next to the Withards, since Peter has decided to play the hot dog game, I will return the favor by sharing that the best tikka masala on the world exists on Regent Street, and it's in a place called Virasami, if you haven't checked it out before. That said, that said, and by the way, the Widards right next to that, best green tea on planet Earth. Um, So Dagan, I wanna come back to you. Um, You know, we've shared our perspectives here, all four of us, in terms of the importance of label insight and product attributes in particular, health and wellness, importance of SEO, but I want to jump away from our perspectives into the reality of data and insights on this topic. Do you all, Have you all conducted a survey, audits, anything of that sort, and what's come back in terms of insights from those if they do exist? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think this is going to be too surprising, right? But, you know, we conducted an audit of uh, 30 top kind of e-commerce platforms, right? And you know, when looking at those those top 30, 21 out of the 30 offered kind of attribute related search filters, right? But those search filters overlooked 80% of shopper need states and preferences, right? Now, when we do what we do at Label Insight, which is, you know, look at the implicit as opposed to just the explicit, right? Using those filters again, right, those filters failed to return 92% of the products in their assortment that qualified to be returned for a given attribute. So what that means is that's just proof in the pudding around heart healthy, right? The 3,000 versus the 25,000, right? The solutions that we currently have in market are making the consumer's world only so big, right? And so I think, you know, of the top 25 product attributes that consumers are searching for, right? So the top 25 attributes that consumers are searching for the most, 
right? Retailers failed to return 53% of products that qualified. 53% of products that po- 53% of products that qualified. I, I think that's just insane, and that speaks to to kind of the, the the poor user experience that we're providing as an industry right now, right? Empty aisles, lost dollars, right? And so for me, it's not about the negative, but this is just such a massive opportunity for everybody here to turn this around and win, right? And again, it's not just us who can win; it's the consumers who can win too. For my money, the finest Indian food in all of London is near Westminster Abbey, and it's at the Cinnamon Club, uh, and it's the most sublime dining I've ever had in my life. Complete non sequitur, but I wanted to work that into the podcast because I wanted to show Shri that, boom, I got game. All right. So, sorry. We have to have fun, right? Isn't it what this is all about? It's about educating and having a little fun while we're doing it. So. So, Dagan, knowing all of this, you know, what's your practical advice to help both brands and retailers in this space of omni-channel sales where product attributes can really help drive discovery and ultimately conversion? Yeah. So, not normally in the in the game of giving advice, but, you know, I think for me... You know, find yourself a data provider who can confidently speak to the five C's, right? So think coverage, currency, customization, characteristics, and confidence. There's a lot of C's there. Um, I think number two, you need to challenge yourself to be thinking multidimensionally about product data, right? It's got to be more about discoverability than just focusing on the package, right? I think. Tied to that, we've got to focus on making consumer consumers' worlds larger, not smaller, right? And then finally, keep innovating, right? We, 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 as an industry, need to be looking for the signals, right? Because we, the consumers, all of us, right, we keep changing, right? And, and our habits and our demands are changing constantly. So the industry, the industry needs to earn the consumer's business by thinking differently. And I think that's on us. Roy, how about your thoughts on this to close us out? Yeah, I, I think Dagan's really hit all of the keynotes. I think I would just probably reiterate my earlier point that it's really important to stop thinking about activation as as store first or, or you know, digital being this kind of uncomfortable <laughs> this uncomfortable thing that sits to one side and no one wants to look too closely at. I think, you know, you have to think about activation and innovation as one piece of work across all channels if you're going to succeed. That's how you're going to resonate with shoppers and that's how you're going to succeed. Um, to do that, it's really important that you fix the basics first. So, you know, don't run before you can walk. Make sure that you've got that foundational stuff in place so that you can innovate and and that you've also got the right insight to tell you where you need to innovate. Um, And finally, speak to the experts. You know, both Dagan and I represent agencies supporting the CPG industry. And, you know, our businesses or business now is one of hundreds of great, great businesses out there that are designed to help CPG manufacturers, CPG retailers win. 
and and improve that user experience for their shoppers. So, you know, there are tons of great people. Go talk to them. You're not alone. <laughs> and it's important to work together with your retailer, your partner, and, and just make sure that you do the right thing. So, yeah. For all our listeners, Peter is actually inaccurate on the best Indian restaurant on planet Earth. Because at 99 Regent Street is the oldest known Indian restaurant on planet Earth called Virasami. And they do have the best tikka masala. If you don't like it, you can always go to Widard's next door for your cup of green tea. And by the way, s'mores hot chocolate in powder form, cocoa. And if none of that fancies you, you're not up for a meal for lunch tomorrow whenever you hear this podcast. There's a Joe Malone right next door that you can fancy and walk in and pay $90 for the fragrance. All that said, I want to remind our audience you can find all our content at cpgguys.com. That includes your ask for us on demystifying e-commerce profitability, as well as our women's leadership series back in the fall of 2020, where again, Peter and I were able to donate $8,000 to the Susan G. Komen Fund, as well as our founder series running first half of 2021. This is a three-part partnership we did with Label Insight. Part one has already been released. You can find it by simply scrolling through. When you go to our podcast series and you can find our episode with the actual um, CEO, Tob Morris. This, of course, is part two. And in the near future, there will be a part three. So please do tune in. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for joining our show today, Dagan and Roy. It was a pleasure to host you. Thank you so much, guys. Love the banter today. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been been great fun. And it's not often I get cricket references and they make sense. So this was an extra special episode. Mr. Mr. Bond, as ever, thank you week over week for being part of this journey. This has been fun yet again. Yeah, this is terrific, Shri. I certainly learned a lot about product attributes. I still don't know uh, about the fact that, yeah, you've got, when you say y'all, that's a Southern affectation. I just don't know if it's Texas Southern or Sri Lankan Southern. I'm still trying to figure that out. Eight years, eight years in Ah, there Dallas, we go. Fort the the mystery is, is solved. Thank you, Sri. Always a pleasure doing this with you. Hee-haw. And with that, we'll sign off, folks. Catch you in another episode of the CPG Guys soon. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.